Hi, this is Emmanuel Xavier, and you're listening to the Super Lit Podcast. There it is. I was like, <laughs> it's been so long, I forgot my bit. <laughs> Patrick, we have Sophie Green here, and we have a special guest today on the Superlit Podcast. The Superlit Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community. Hi, everyone. Would our special guests like to introduce themselves again? Sure. My name is Emmanuel Xavier. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, originally, and I am a spoken word poet, activist. We love it. I'm really bad at remembering names. The person who introduced us was Michelle. Yes, yes, Michelle Carlsberg. Mm-hmm. Um, she's great. She's been sending us stuff, asking us about like what we'd want to read for the podcast. So we're really thankful for her sending you, for her sending you over to us. There we go, mind meld. Um, but yeah, uh, the tell us a little bit about your book and the title of your um, your book of poems. Sure. Um, so I've been doing this for about twenty five years. Well, not about exactly twenty five years. Um, my latest poetry collection is Selected Poems of Emmanuel Xavier, and it is a collection of my personal favorite poems. I've had five collections of poetry, um, also a novel, and I've edited several anthologies. Throughout the course of the past 25 years, my, my work has been you know, political, sexual, religious, it's discussed my journey as a gay Latinx male growing up in New York City. Uh, I was kicked out at the age of 16 and I ended up at the West Side Highway Piers. I was scooped up by the house and ball scene that some of you may be familiar from shows like Pose and from documentaries like Paris is Burning. One of my closest friends was Willie Ninja. And I spent some time with Angie Extravaganza. I started my own House of Xavier, which was an offshoot of the House of Extravaganza. And we fused the ballroom scene with the spoken word poetry scene, created the Glam Slam where we had categories such as, you know, best verbal vogue, best love poem and sexy underwear lingerie, <laughs> best wig a poem, you know, best breakup poem, fire engine red. You know, oh we gosh, gave out yeah. trophies. Uh-huh. You know, these events were held at the New York Poets Cafe, in the Lower East Side, and the, and the Bowery Poetry Club. Eventually mm-hmm. it became so popular that they were having these events in, in London. And, you know, that is the trajectory of my career. You know, I 
you know, I've also been an activist, you know, for, for gay rights, mm-hmm. for our marriage equality. You know, I lost a lot of friends in our community to the AIDS crisis. So I've been very vocal about that. And mm-hmm. um, I, I, I like to think that I've contributed a lot to our community. Yeah. Because of my own personal experiences and my journey and mm-hmm. how it has affected, you know, my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I need to see a spoken word Vogue now. <laughs> not for, if, I'm not putting it on the spot. I'm just saying, like, I feel like I need to do research and see one of these. Because... Well, you know, I mean, yeah, we, we had the events from like 1998 to 2000. And they were very, very popular, but it became a lot of work. I mean, I was just pretty much doing the events myself. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I didn't know so much as far as reaching out to other people or organizations to get Mm -hmm. that kind of support yeah so you know it just became too much and after a while yeah you know we we just kind of like phased them out but Mm -hmm. when we did have them they were a lot of fun they were they were great i mean we we had some of the traditional elements of the ball scene like you know the grand march Mm -hmm. and handing out the trophies but, you know, we kept a lot of, you know, the spoken word out. That's it. really cool. And, and it was very cool. It mm. was very cool. And it was a very New York City, you know, vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, a lot of my friends, um, I guess, uh, that, like, aren't part of the, like, uh, queer community um, were very much introduced to, I guess, the ballroom scene via Pose. Thankfully, it wasn't. Uh, Nestle mm. necessarily RuPaul's Drag Race, um, <laughs> but it's it was nice to see like a bit of um, like very important queer media, it, even though it was made by Ryan Murphy, put into like the spotlight, and we were mm-hmm. given amazing actresses and actors from that show. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like things like that are so important now, especially because I think a lot of younger people. Um, aren't necessarily aware of how the 80s and early 90s and to the to- 2000s were for the queer community, mm-hmm. um, especially for people who are working the peers um, mm-hmm. in New York. Um, I, I don't think people really like think about that. You know, I found it really interesting. I mean, Poe's got a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, a lot of things were simply glamorized for television and you know for the mainstream and and i got it it was totally cool to have my coworkers at like penguin random house be like you know like pick up on the lingo (laughs) so on but but you know some of it was like yeah well that's not how it really was but (laughs) but you know but i understood you know i understood how they had to like Mm -hmm. you know make it you know palatable for everyone yeah, but you know, I, I I think it was it was important to to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. I, I think what what I think I think what was interesting was that you know this was such an underground movement. This was such an underground thing. We created these spaces because yeah. we weren't part of you know mainstream society. Mm-hmm. We weren't accepted by the world at large. You know. Yeah. We didn't fit in. We were outcasts. You know, we we had to, you know, create our own spaces to fit in. You know, 
um, it, it was beautiful, but yet it was tragic at the same time that that we had to give each other trophies, you yeah. know, to, to to be real. Yeah, you know, and you know, for the longest time, like like we had to validate one another within yeah. our own communities of color, you know, to to be part of that culture, and uh, until it got to the point where, you know we had a documentary like Paris is Burning, which blew up, or we had yeah. Madonna bringing us to the forefront with something like Vogue, or, you know, everybody was all over the scene. And then they forgot about us. And then yeah. that we became popular again. Mm-hmm. And forgot us again. <laughs> you know, Ryan Murphy brought us back. Yeah. You know, so it was, it was a lot of back and forth. Like, like we were like something that, people didn't really want to discuss or we swept under the rug because, mm-hmm. because yes, there was, you know, you know, there was sex work and there were drugs involved and, you know, but, you know, we have always been there. We have always been part of this community, mm-hmm. you know, just, just like, like Stonewall, yeah. you know, everybody always wanted to, you know, forget about you know, the sex workers and the homeless kids and, you know, the people that really were at the forefront of that movie. Mm-hmm. Sophie, did you want to um, start off with any of the like poetry that like you, sorry, I just realized <laughs> you were drinking. Drink. <laughs> hey, Sophie, um, did you want to start off with one of the pieces that you picked? Oh yeah, we can talk about some poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I, the one that I really like, the really stood out to me was uh, The Death of Art. I really like that one. <laughs> I don't know why when I read this, I was like, I feel like I shouldn't add this to my list because I think Sophie will. <laughs> um, I I mean, anytime someone is uh, gently shit-talking Kerouac, I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. Let's go. <laughs> I'm here. I'm clocked in. <laughs> I'm listening. Um, but I think my I have like a very small experience with just like poetry in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily something I keep up with, but I, I do enjoy it. And I did um, in college more mm-hmm. kind of uh, read a little bit of poetry and take some poetry classes, but I was always drawn more towards this kind of like poetry mm-hmm. where it's like, this is very simplified, but to be like, I'm not like other poets, like that mm-hmm. kind of poetry is like, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm clocked in, let's go. Um, but I think just kind of, it's so interesting because I think there's so many artists who feel that way. So it's mm-hmm. this like weird dichotomy of like, I'm separate from like, what is the like understanding of what an artist is, but because we're like, all have that feeling of separation, it kind of like unites us a little bit more. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's a lot of rebellion in art. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I mean, I, I think, what drew me to spoken word poetry initially, you know, because I, I, I came from the streets. I came from the peers. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to school for poetry. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't go for like an MFA. I didn't take on literature. You know, I, I was self-taught. And when I first stepped into the New York Poets Cafe and, and I heard, some poetry, specifically some queer spoken word poetry, I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, I love this. I want to do this. I want to be a 
part of this. This mm-hmm. is so kick ass. <laughs> like, I don't have to be fucking William Shakespeare. I can do this. Exactly. You know? It's like, I can open up my heart. I have so much to say. And, and I can be up on that stage and I can speak my mind. Mm-hmm. And I had no qualms. I had no fear. And, and I just, you know, I owned my truth and I just let it all out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I mean, at the time, it was still a lot of homophobia in the audience. You know, because spoken word poetry was was very much influenced by hip hop, mm-hmm. and spoken word poetry had still not really made its way into the queer community, and so it was very it was considered very ballsy. There were very few of us on the scene that were you know openly queer and speaking our minds, but but yet it was we were embraced because it it was true art, you know, Mm -hmm. and any true art is about speaking your mind. It's about being rebellious. It's about owning your truth, you know? And, and I think that's why it it continues to, to resonate with like younger audiences, you know, with high school students or with a college crowd, you know, because it, 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 it tells them that, like, yes, it's great to know the classics. It's great to know all your literature, but, but you also don't have to, to, to know, you know, you don't also have to be, you know, Dorothy Parker or Sylvia Plath. You can also, you know, just, just speak your mind through the spoken word poetry mm-hmm. and, you know, yeah, I and, think- and leave your truth out on the stage. It's, it's, it's similar to what you were talking about before with like ball culture it's kind of the perception yes. that people have a lot about poetry generally is the more like sanitized like literature of it all mm-hmm. um and when you like really get into kind of a more underground scene which I think spoken mm-hmm. word even though it's like very prominently uh understood as like a concept mm-hmm. I think the actual like community is still relatively underground just even mm-hmm. with technology and stuff that we have now watching like a spoken word poem on like a video is not the mm-hmm. same feeling as like being in the room with it mm-hmm. so it's just it still has that like kind of like grittiness that I like really love about art yeah and we're descendants of like the whole beatnik generation mm-hmm. you know like in the 60s that was all about rebellious art that was all about you know just going out there and just doing your thing mm-hmm. and that was all a big fuck you to <laughs> you know, to the standard of poetry. Yeah, I think uh, just overall in like all of your poetry, I think that like really stood out to me a lot was kind of um, like the, you could, even if you hadn't started by saying like you're from New York and you're from Brooklyn in that area, I could still feel it like in the way you write. Um, You can like feel like the city and Mm -hmm. the way like, in some of the poems you have like the Spanish mixed in and stuff it's kind of like the dialogue as you're walking through the city you're just like hearing people talking and stuff and has like that good that really good energy there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was something Sophie and I were talking about it last night because um, sometimes we don't get to like always talk about everything with the author because then we'd probably be with someone for three hours but 
um i was like oh the thing that i really liked was like the the like the mixed dialogue that it very does it feels really conversational like sophie was saying um and i i liked the like back and forth it 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 was very interesting um i also don't really have a lot of uh a lot of like poetry background myself but whenever it's like handed to me i like to read it and i wasn't expecting that it, it was just like very it was i think it's like the first poem in the book it does that and I was like oh I like this this is mm -hmm. like different it's interesting mm -hmm. yeah you don't always have to understand you know the the, the language mm -hmm. you know to, to 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 understand you know what it is that I'm trying to say and I, I I think that's 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 where I knew that I was onto something when I would read it in front of audiences and and they knew exactly where I was coming from or what I was saying it was the same thing when I was listening to other poets and, you know, whether they were like Asian American or, you know, like Jamaican American or whatever. And, and, and I knew what they were saying, even though I didn't understand, you know, all the words, their poetry, mm -hmm. you know, like, like I, I, I knew exactly, you know, it was, it came from the heart. Yeah. To my mother on the occasion of her 60th birthday, I think, mm -hmm. um, like reading that I felt I it I feel like that is such like a an experience that I've like been through it's especially since you know very different generations very she like tried to raise me differently than she was raised uh like we weren't raised in the same area as where she was because she didn't want us to grow up the same way she did um and just like I guess when it got to me, because I'm the youngest of, you know, a hundred children, I guess at this point, um, I, I, I'm always told like I was able to get away with certain things because like my, I always say my parents are too tired. It's like, no, just, just don't die while you're outside today. That's all we can ask. But like, sometimes when I read things like this, I'm like, oh, this is almost like, I, I know this feeling, like I can mm -hmm. feel um, mm -hmm. the energy that went into this poem. And it's like, um, having been like away, like away from my family for, and granted, I'm like a state over, but um, having been away from uh, my mom and my dad, like anytime I like listen to them or like hear their voices, I could have just been like yelling at them, but it's mm -hmm. just like having a fight with them. But it's been like two months and I haven't been around them like every single hour of the day. And it just like feels different. Mm -hmm. I'm like, missing them in a different way than I did when I lived with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, my mom told me recently, like we had some sort of a tiff and she's like, you know, I, I know that you write bad things about me in the poetry, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, okay. Stop giving you know, me but... things to write about. <laughs> exactly, I was like, wow, you know. But then I, I remember this poem and that's that's a poem that other people have brought up. Like, wow, that's such a beautiful poem that you wrote for your mom. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, there is that. And only she'd appreciate that one. But <laughs> I did write it specifically for her 60th birthday. And I read it for her mm -hmm. in Spanish for her 60th birthday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, I think the most challenging poem for me to write because a lot of my poetry comes from pain. I think it's a lot easier for me to write those poems. So this poem kind of was 
about forgiveness. It's about resolution. It's about, you know, understanding like, yeah, we're different and we were raised differently and we have those differences mm-hmm. and we have, you know, we come from different cultures and maybe we don't necessarily see eye to eye or understand one another, but, you know, I, I get you, I get what you're coming from, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't have to be on the same page. We don't have to be, you know, the same person, but mm-hmm. all, all we can do is, is, is love one another and yeah. just sort of have that kind of understanding for one another because at the end of the day, you're still my mother, and I'm still your son. And, you know, for whatever reason, we have something to learn from one another. Yeah. I think um, as I was reading it, uh, that was, I was reading it on break at work and I read that and I like flipped my phone over and put it down and I was like, yeah, this is, um, <laughs> this one hits home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's, it's uh, I think sometimes um, uh, as an artist myself, sometimes it's easier, easier to create things um, from like a bad emotional place mm-hmm. than to create something that for me sometimes that is like just as like great or like whatever yeah. from like a place of like happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like sometimes if I'm like super happy, I don't create things at all. Yeah, I think I read somewhere, I heard somewhere that, you know, like all artists are somehow emotionally crippled. <laughs> <laughs> Me? No, uh-uh. never. <laughs> Emotional scar. That's why we're artists, because we have something yeah. to express, you know, we need to express ourselves. But mm. so it is It is a little bit more of a challenge to write yeah. from a place of joy, a place of happiness. But But when we do, it is beautiful as well. Exactly. I, uh, one of my coworkers was like, oh, your birthday's in September. I was like, yeah, I'm a Virgo. And she's like, you don't seem like one. I was like, I'm very high strung all the time. You just can't tell right now. I have all this gray hair for a reason. It's not just because I want it there. I can't stop it. It's almost like I have to deal with my trauma or something. No, <laughs> let me take my iced coffee. Yeah, I love my coworkers asking me things like that. Like, oh, you don't seem like you're da 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 da. And I'm like, oh, it's because it's I'm okay. at work it's, right it's now. Okay. It's good to own your. Yeah. You know, okay to own your emotional. I'm different than Virgos. I'm a different Virgo. <laughs> I address my issues. You know, my mom is a Virgo. At that, I feel like it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Sophie, would you like to read your next one and tell us what the next one is? Um. Yeah, I really loved the, I guess it's, I mean, it's still poem, but it's more written out like prose Mm -hmm. um, about like kind of your, again, continuing your relationship with your mother um, and the kind of like style and stuff that you went through. Um, The uh, um, L. Harris spray, I I really, (laughs) as soon as I saw like a as soon as I was like, oh, 80s aesthetic, yes, of this, like, going through this uh, kind of tension of your style choices and, like, the the moment, um, specifically, I think I, I really like the part where you were talking about how when she realized that you were trying to um, project more Cindy Lauper mm-hmm. than anything else, then it was like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, never mind, this isn't good. Yeah. And I was like, no, this is great, continue this strand. Um, but I think just kind of that, like, I just like the way that you kind of like discuss that like relationship and the 
kind of like that build up in your relationship and how it like was changing with how you were like presenting yourself and then mm-hmm. kind of um you start to talk about how like when Gloria Estefan really became like mm-hmm. an icon that she is mm-hmm. and you're like okay now we are an American family mm-hmm. <laughs> and it mm-hmm. was just I just really love that kind of like little encapsulation of your lifetime in that one yeah now that is totally like a prose poem and yeah it was it was definitely about capturing you know our our place as a family in the United States and mm-hmm. you know how we came to be and it was about you know not, not fully understanding one another because you know interestingly enough you know I grew up at home speaking Spanish but you know as soon as I went to school I learned English and, mm-hmm. you know people often ask me you know and but I I dream in English I think in English you know um, you know so I I didn't quite you know I became a very different person as soon you know I became very American and I only spoke to my parents in Spanish so even just them watching Spanish television in their bedroom and me watching American television in the living room was very different like I grew up very differently from them like I would watch like Facts of Life or Eight is Enough or Dynasty whatever they had like no idea you know (laughs) what my world was about yes (laughs) you know like she had no idea Mm -hmm. you know what you know what I was listening to what my world was about and I had no interest in 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 their world until like perhaps later until like you know like our our worlds collided with something like you know like Gloria Estefan and 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 I was and that's why I think I was trying to, to, to convey in this, mm-hmm. in this poem, you know, where, where she thought, you know, by me dyeing my hair, I was trying to be like her icon, you know, this, this, um, Jose Luis Rodriguez. And I was like, now I'm trying to be more like Cindy Lauper, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, so yes, it, it, it was funny. It was comical, but you know, that, mm-hmm. that's how we kind of learned to, to come together as a family, like mm-hmm. in the 80s. Right. And I think, I mean, as much as I also enjoyed a lot more of your poems that had kind of a more serious tone to them and were a little heavier, this, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a nice little fresh air, almost mm-hmm. like little moment, um, which I think is always appreciated mm-hmm. in, in um, especially like autobiographical poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that kind of like separation that I think always exists between parents and children because you just have like the generational difference, mm-hmm. but then layered on top of it as you're basically growing up as like an American kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, yeah, I just, I really like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know about like your generational differences with your parents. Uh, they listen to the podcast <laughs> my dad listens to this <laughs> podcast um well I think like a huge thing is because both of us grew up in um like we're born in the 90s and then basically grew up in the early 2000s just like the technology yeah was like I I mean I wasn't like on the dark web or anything but I don't think my parents had the understanding of like 
exactly. internet security that like parents who are raising kids now do because oh, no yeah. one had an understanding of it. So mm-hmm. like, you know, I was, I mean, I was just on Neopets or whatever, but like, yeah. <laughs> I was just Driving. doing my own thing on computers mm-hmm. and stuff. And I think like that kind of like, I don't know that the, like the information and stuff that you can just get on the internet and all that stuff. Um, just the culture, I guess, that you can mm-hmm. like absorb it so much broader than like earlier generations where you kind of mm-hmm. are like being raised within your community. I think like our generation has such a stronger sense of like an online community, mm-hmm. which is both good and bad, I think, but I really think that I probably have, I was just information was a little bit more accessible, I think, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> yeah, no. um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, and I, I still think that I had like a pretty strong, uh, as far as like pop culture and stuff references, because mm-hmm. I was not alive, but I love the seventies and eighties. And, um, that is kind of like a bonding aspect with like my parents, I think, but mm-hmm. just the, the rush of like information and like that kind of like Mm -hmm. cultural like acceleration that happened really when the internet took off Mm -hmm. I think is such like a strong define uh defining feature of like our generation Uh that's you know that's that's great and that's good that you say that because you know like yes with with so much you know like accessibility Mm -hmm. like you're able to to have that on the tip of your hands you know all that that research and all that information you know, whereas when we were growing up, like I wasn't able to have that immediate connection with with my family unless it was something that you know popped up like on like in one of one of the three channels that that we had. Yeah. You know, um, so unless they told us stories about like a musician or an actor or whatever, or we read about it like in a news clipping or whatever, like, you know, we we didn't have that sort of information it was just kind of passed down to us mm-hmm. you know yeah. whereas now it's just like you, know, you can you can have all that research like oh you know like this person was popular in the 80s who's that oh, yeah. yeah I think also too it, growing up I'm presuming growing up in like New York and you're in a city you're probably have like a lot more um experience just like culturally and stuff just because it's such like a homogenous like little Mm -hmm. section of the world as opposed to growing up in a more rural area or something like that so you kind of did have that experience where i can imagine growing up like you know in the 80s like in the midwest somewhere and not Mm -hmm. having that yeah yeah especially in that much more difficult like you know especially for us you know like like our queer history we didn't mm-hmm. have that. Like we had to learn. Like I didn't learn our queer history until I started working at a different like bookstore. Mm-hmm. And that's when I discovered like all these great writers and poets and mm-hmm. and movies and documentaries. I didn't know any of that because obviously we didn't learn that in school. Right. And you know I didn't get that from my parents or from anybody. So mm-hmm. I had to learn all that. From my- and now, you know, there's so much accessibility for, mm-hmm. for anyone. But back then, we didn't have any of that. But yes, I, you know, maybe I had more access to it living in New York City. But mm-hmm. I can imagine, you know, some young queer kid growing up, like, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And like, I think also on like, um, so <laughs> they rebooted um, Gossip Girl on HBO Max and it's like a little bit more, and it takes place in New York and it's like young kids and they actually inserted like more queer people into the main cast line. Mm-hmm. And they're the way that they like write queer people who live in New York are like it's like they are hyper aware of everything they know everything and I'm like I wonder if like if I was their age like in New York if I would have been that aware of like every single thing or if this is just Mm like a like 30 to 40 year old writer writing a teenager Mm -hmm. like be aware of everything um because it I, I I just like can't imagine it because I'm like thinking of like how I grew up I'm like how do you know this uh-huh. well, I mean it's like 2021 so probably yeah no I haven't watched it but yeah so if it takes place in 2021 okay but if yeah. it's if it's supposed to take place you know like in the 90s or 80s they should have yeah they... <laughs> <laughs> I just don't think it's possible but it's it's interesting that like um the main cast there's like a lot more people of color versus like the one black girl who's on the show who's poor for whatever of course for whatever reason um and then like the new cast now there's a a trans woman on the cast um and she's a woman of color um there one of the main guys on the show is i believe bisexual there's a Mm -hmm. an asian man who's questioning his sexuality it's like (laughs) more diverse than it was before but it's also like kind of weird seeing like queer people like villainize other people Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they're teenagers who are rich. They're probably all terrible. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it's important to know when history, when our histories are rewritten. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the 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 one. It, it wasn't really an issue, but it was something that I noted that I thought was was significant. You know, the ball scene, we, we, we had our faults. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the AIDS crisis took a huge toll on our community. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until GMHC, you know, became involved and there was the House of Latex, which was very, very significant in bringing awareness to the ball community. Mm-hmm. And the House of Latex first, you know, came into the scene. Um, they weren't very welcome, you know. You know, they would be, they would come to the balls with, you know, with the little fish bowls with the condoms, and, you know, distribute yeah. them and and so forth. And and they were they were kind of mocked. And you know, eventually they were embraced because they they would have these huge balls. You know, with GMHC, like Roseland Ball, you mm-hmm. know, but but it, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't you know. It, it took a while for the for the ball community to 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 really embrace, you know, what was going on, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. we lost a lot of people within our community. But yet, then you know, you see an episode of Pose where you know. They were immediately on it, and they were mm-hmm. yeah. part of ACT UP, and they were at the forefront, and they were, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I would have loved for that to be true, but it, 
it, it wasn't really like that. Mm-hmm. It's nice to see it on a TV show and to think like I, you know, this, I obviously wasn't alive during that time, but it, to think like, okay, like, I hope that this is actually how this was, but you know, it's a, it's a TV show uh, by, <laughs> by Ryan Murphy. You can, yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, considering who like was in charge of it, like I think pretty good job of not um, being another Ryan Murphy show, but still at the same time, um, it's a TV show. They can't. They made us look really good. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like that's yeah. great. But again, we had our faults. Yeah. But yeah, it's and, a, and think... it's 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 you know it's important for us to to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as much as we would want uh, history to be like really beautiful and soft and everything, everyone was happy and it was just you know just in it. We were we were all united and fighting against one big evil. It's a lot messier than that because it's mm-hmm. just, we're all, it's humanity. So yeah. it's important to be critical of the past as well as like understanding of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one that I, I didn't tell you, it was one of the ones that I was thinking of, um, but I remember re- I think it was the thing about, <laughs> the thing <laughs> about my pussy. <laughs> yeah. I was like reading it and I was like, I can't. I. It's not like funny, but I just like the the title of it. Like me, I was like, I remember looking at like the the book the thing of contents, and I was like, does this say the thing about my pussy? <laughs> Hell yeah! The, the 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 greatest thing about it is I recently um asked. I reached out to Jenny Levingston. Uh huh. The documentary of Paris's burning, and mm-hmm. I just wanted her to give a shout out for the book for um, a virtual event that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And instead of that, she actually read the poem. It's up on YouTube somewhere. And I was blown away because she did such a great job. And I was like, yeah. wow, here is Jenny Levingston, the director of Paris is Burning, reading my poem, thing about my pussy. And it's fantastic. <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, wow, okay. But, um, but yes. I, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, as you've read it, you know, it's actually about my cat, um, who's since passed away. But yes, at the time that I wrote it, yes, my cat loved it very much. (laughs) And, you know, I was honored to have a poem written about him. A poem about me? A good tribute. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny, as as like, when I first started reading, I was like, what is this about? Like, what? And then I I was like, going through it, I'm like, Okay, this isn't like a body part or like a like what <laughs> you think it is. It's like quite literally yeah. like the thing about my my pussy. Yeah, I think when I first started writing it, it was about my pussy. But you know, then it became about my cat. <laughs> like there's um, and, there's, and I've enjoyed reading it in front of audiences because yeah. the minute I announce what I'm about to read, you know, it's like oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then it's like he's reading about oh. his pussy. Wait, hold and on. I love seeing the confusion on their faces. Like uh-huh. oh. Her pussy in this economy? We're talking about that? Um, no, the, there's a, a book series that my old manager at my old job used to read where they would make you think for almost the entire book that they're like talking about, like, let's say the, the boss's dick, but it's like he's really talking about his banana. And uh-huh. it's like quite literally, she was like reading and laugh. I can hear her cackling in the back room. So I go back there, I'm like, what the fuck are you reading that's making me laugh like this? And she's uh-huh. like, oh, it's this book that like 
you know what they're like what it is but the way that they write it it seems like it's wildly sexual like he Mm -hmm. wants it in the afternoon he wants Mm -hmm. it in his office he wants it at a specific time he's very specific about what he wants Mm -hmm. and it's like quite literally a banana but it's Mm -hmm. just like so funny because the entire book you're like this could this is literally about sex oh it's Mm -hmm. about his lunchtime banana he needs Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's my own (laughs) vagina (laughs) i love that I think that's a great thing too about if performing it because you kind of get that ability to like pace mm-hmm. as you want through the poem and then you can really like get the those like punches mm-hmm. in with the specific lines and it mm-hmm. it really I think is something that would speak very well. Uh, and, and, and it's great to like add to your set list because like as you as you know from the collection and so forth like you know a lot of my work is very heavy it's very you know like intense and personal so it's great to have those moments where you can just make the audience laugh like, mm-hmm. where, where you can make them think like what what what's going on what mm-hmm. are we talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i think uh i mean it's been a, a million years but there is like that there's a really good beat in the vagina monologues where i mm-hmm. think there's one poem that is um like about like assault or something it's it's like very dark and then the next poem immediately afterwards is like people are crying laughing afterwards Mm -hmm. because it's just this like switch and the way it's like set that way it's so Mm -hmm. purposeful um and I just yeah it has that like that's such a good energy to it Mm -hmm. to kind of like balance out the experience yeah Yeah. I I always I always do my set list like like you know because I was a club kid I was always going out and my my favorite thing about like like Sound Factory where I used to go and the DJ was Junior Vasquez was, you know, it would always kind of start off like really like like very moody. And there was mm-hmm. always sort of like a peak where you would like, you know, if you were on drugs or whatever, you would just go crazy. And they would kind of like, you know, kind of like peter out. Kind of like, you know, so I, I always kind of like, do my set lists in that sense where it was like kind of like you were you kind of like you know start off smooth kind of get to that point where it was like really intense and then just kind of like smooth it out Mm -hmm. you know and you can really like like we were talking about before really lean into like someone's expectation of like okay I'm going to a poetry reading let's see what this is about and you're very start off very like solemn and stuff and then you're like all right now we're going to talk about my pussy (laughs) (laughs) so you have again that like that really good like grit that I think a lot of your poetry yeah you want to make it enjoyable I mean Mm -hmm. it was like you know I didn't want to be that reader at like Barnes and Noble like (laughs) Okay, there's there there's that. And that's totally fine. But mm-hmm. you know, when I was going to to a poetry reading at like you know like, like a, a specific venue, like a New Yorkian or a Bowery Poetry Club, whatever, you know, there were specific poets that I knew were going to really blow me away, and you know, and I was there for that. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you go see a great drag show, you know, you know which drag queens are going to blow you away, which mm-hmm. ones are going to be like, oh, okay, that was cute. <laughs> You don't get any tips. Thanks for coming. <laughs> that was cute, that but was you only cute. did two reveals, so <laughs> there wasn't a tearaway underneath your tearaway with a tearaway. So okay. drag oh race God. has done fucked up drag. Yeah. <laughs> I like that um, the poem after the thing about my pussy is naked because I went to check. I was like, "What's before?" So the um, 
the one that Sophie was speaking about, L Hairspray, um, is right before the thing about my pussy. And then the next one is naked. And I was like, what was this one again? And it's like they, the first line is they fucked up your tattoo. Mm-hmm. That one I can like feel. Yeah. I, like when I was reading that, I was like, yeah, I could feel that being a, a spoken word poem. Like someone just walking out, Mike dead silent, just like looking up. They fucked up your tattoo. <laughs> like, yeah. can feel that energy. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. I mean, I've had moments like you know, like obviously when you're in a venue, when mm-hmm. you're about to do a venue event, you know, you can do whatever you want. There have been times when I've done events where I've been booked like for public spaces, like parks. Mm. whatever and like there was one time when I did an event like at some park of course there was a children's park right I think it was like for a howl festival at like at Tompkins Square Park somebody came up to complain like you know there's a children's park right over there and I was like move the children I was like doesn't she fucking know this is like the howl festival it's like like a tribute to Allen Ginsberg. Like, 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 you know, like fuck the children. Like, <laughs> Let us say the Allen Ginsberg was a rumored pedophile. Like, what yeah. were they thinking? Yeah. You know, like you know they gotta keep um, the kids park I right next that, to that. Yeah. Like they, they got the permit. It's not my yeah. fault. You know, I'm not gonna censor I didn't pick the venue. Yeah. yeah. You know? I didn't pick the venue, but I will perform at this venue. <laughs> I think the only other like one that I had was <laughs> sorry, I just scrolled up to the thing about my pussy. Um, <laughs> I I don't think I'll ever get over that. It's amazing. Um, You're gonna have to write your own poem about your pussy. <laughs> Shadow, come here. <laughs> that's that's Sophie's cat that I'm in love with. Um, I think the other one that I had, um, which is a little bit more serious, is uh, the one walking with angels. I, I that one just like stuck out to me, um, and it, I, it's not as, as funny as obviously the other two that we just spoke about. But I figured it it would be a good thing to talk about. Well, there is a funny thing in the beginning because I dedicated to Lindsay. Mm-hmm. The funny thing about that is um, I had two very I have two very close friends and this was written at a time um, when Lindsay Lohan, Britney Spears and Paris Hilton were all hanging out together. Oh, wow. And I was Paris. My friend was Lindsay and my other friend was Britney. Mm -hmm. So I wrote it for my friend who we nicknamed Lindsay. That's who I dedicated it. So he's messy. <laughs> so, so yes. So, and we were doing an age walk together. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the poem came about. So, and then, you know, there's that serious, the seriousness about the poem, you know, um, you know, that it's, it's, it's about, you know, AIDS awareness and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the, the struggles that people that are living with HIV deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, one of the my favorite things that I've done in New York is the AIDS walk that is like all of Central Park. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I, not only is it fun, but it's also like money is going towards like a really great mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it's nice to see so many people doing it. 
Mm-hmm. It's not just like a few like random runners. It's like mm-hmm. massive groups of people, mm-hmm. um, which is I think so nice. Uh, and I'm, I'm, uh, I like the the backstory of who it's for too. That's nice. I thought it was for an, like an actual person named Lindsay, not a nickname, Lindsay. <laughs> that makes it better though. Yeah, it makes it yeah. funny. And <laughs> yeah, we always love. We, every friends group must have a Lindsay. <laughs> Sophie, did you have any other ones that you wanted to talk about or? No, I'm just trying to think of who the Lindsay is in our friend group now. <laughs> it's probably me. It might be. Who's the Paris? Who cooks with full leather gloves on? That's whoever the Paris is. Oh, wait, is. no. <laughs> oh, but this was years ago. Who knew that you know, Paris yeah. become a chef? You know? A chef with leather gloves on. A chef Let me take gloves. my engagement ring off and put it on over and my And put gloves. on my cooking gloves and then yeah. handle raw meat. Yeah. She can't get it underneath her nails. Oh, God. It's probably me still. Um, You're all of them. It's fine. I am. I do have a good collection of Britney Spears things. Uh, Free Britney. Yeah, honestly. um, I was having a conversation with my parents about that. My dad's like, isn't she, like, crazy? I was like, no. the, The media really wanted everyone to think that she was, like, completely incapable. Um. She because had a God, yeah, we all had a moment, but she's like a she was a young woman in the spotlight that like mm-hmm. I can't imagine how difficult that is, like mm-hmm. for anyone. And God forbid you're having like a bad day, mm-hmm. like yeah, I probably would have gone at someone with a hammer, not an umbrella. Like someone would be <laughs> probably dead. So it's like I get it. Mm-hmm. Also, paparazzi are terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, especially in the in that time in the early 2000s the media was like abysmal well even before that (laughs) um i mean i was like talking uh with some friends about uh like princess diana and like kind of like the vitriol that they said about her and then as soon as she passed away there was all of these like um recalls and stuff of articles and i can't like remember the headline but there was just like some horrible headline that was like this article has been like edited to, the title is like no longer like dies mm-hmm. crazy night out on like pills and binging blah 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 mm-hmm. and it is now being like titled like a remembrance of princess diana blah 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 and it's just like the way that the media uh, treated young women <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. women being treated well i think not no yeah that's a mm-hmm. whole other tangent sorry <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i guess before we let you go is there like a poem that you would really like to like talk about before we let you off into the wilds <laughs> um do you want me to read a poem oh yeah i'd love that is there a specific one that like you that we haven't spoken about that like you um it's like one of your favorites that you've written? I know that's like picking your favorite child, but <laughs> um I can read Americano. Oh yeah, it, that was one that's... of the ones that I liked. Yes. Yes. This uh, I I'll share this poem because uh I've I've read it many, many times. Mm-hmm. And uh, my favorite instance, my favorite story of reading this poem um, was I've gotten in trouble for reading this poem. Uh, <laughs> like I've been asked like not to read it. One time I was in Florida at a high school 
Mm-hmm. And, and I was, before taking the stage, I was told, you know, there, there were some poems that I couldn't read. This was one of them, because if I did read them, I would be arrested. Uh, <laughs> Casually. Yeah, so, so I, I, I went ahead and did how to do like an edited version of this, but I did tell the students where they could find the unedited version of these mm. poems and the students like loved it they were like and I, and I called out the principal who was on the back of the auditorium and they were like really really pissed off you know as high school students would be because like why invite you know yeah like censor me yeah that but, seems very odd but florida you know oh, well <laughs> yeah that makes sense actually say where you in yes <laughs> but uh but and then Another time, which was unfortunate, was uh, I did an event at Towson University, which is in Maryland, mm-hmm. in Baltimore, Maryland. And I, there was an organization called Youth for Western Civilization, which, you know, was a, a racist campus group that didn't want me on campus because they didn't want people of color and they didn't want, you know, like, you know, gays on, you know, invited on their campus uh-huh. so they had to change the event to a secret location which Jeez. which was you know i was like maryland really <laughs> a <laughs> college yeah but this did happen this did exist so americano i love the background stories for these po- these poems i i know it's, it's, it's incredible that i've had these experiences but um, but and then my my very last time, you know, great experience reading this poem was in front of the New York Public Library when Trump was elected, mm-hmm. which is not far from Trump Tower. So, mm-hmm. so I'll leave you with this. <laughs> okay, I look at myself in the mirror, trying to figure out what makes me an American, and I see Ecuador and Puerto Rico. I see Bruja spirits moving across the backs of santeros splattered with the red blood of sacrificed chickens on their virgin white clothes and blue beads for Yemaya, practicing religions without a root. I see my own blood reddening the white sheets of a stranger, proud American blue jean labels on the side of the bed. I see Don Rosario in his Guayabera sitting outside the bodega with his Puerto Rican flag reading time in the eyes of alley cats. I see my mother trying to be more like Marilyn Monroe than Julia de Burgos. I see myself trying to be more like James Dean than Federico Garcia Lorca. I see Carlos Santana, Gloria Stefan, Ricky Martin, and Jennifer Lopez more than just sporadic Latin explosions, more like fireworks on El Cuatro de Julio, as American as Bruce Springsteen, Janis Joplin, Elvis Presley, and Aretha Franklin. I see Taco Bells and chicken fajitas at McDonald's. I see red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. I see Cheetah Rivera on Broadway. You see, I am as American as lemon merengue pie, as American as Wonder Woman's panties, as American as Madonna's bra, as American as the Quinteñeros, the Abduls, the Lees, the Jacksons, the Kennedys, mostly all of us immigrants to the soil, 
since none sound American Indian to me. As American as television snow after the anthem is played, and I am not ashamed. Jose, can you see? I pledge allegiance to this country, tis of me. Land of dreams and opportunity, land of proud detergent names and commercialism, land of corporations. If I can win gold medals at the Olympics, if I can sign my life away to die for the United States, ain't no small town hit gonna tell me I'm an American because I can speak in two languages. Coño carajo, fuck you. This is my country too, for those who do not believe in freedom and diversity are the ones who need to get the hell out. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh my of gosh, course. of course. I was reading along with you. I loved it. <laughs> um, I screen capped the ones that I was like, I need to talk. And I was like, okay, I have this one pulled up already. So I was reading along with it. It's so nice to like hear the voice um, of like the the word, if you will, um, mm -hmm. just to like, like, see like how things like how the like the flow of the um, poet poetry actually goes. Yeah, it's, it's great to be able to lift the words off the page. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've never really done life. like audiobooks before. And um, sometimes I'm like, why did why don't I like them? Because I like listening to people talk about things. You know, it'd be great if I got some sort of a contract to be able to do an audiobook for this because I would love it to. Yeah. Just putting it out there. <laughs> Manifest it. Manifesting. <laughs> we're all manifesting this for you. Yes. Emmanuel, would you be able to give us the title of your book again so people can get it? Sure. So the title of the book is Selected Poems of Emmanuel Xavier. Perfect. And it just came out last month? came out it? June 1st, 2021, and it just came out in a Spanish edition. Ooh, yay. Um, yeah, I knew it just came out, but I wasn't, I also like, <laughs> I can't believe it's September already. So June <laughs> is like last month to me. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My name is Brendan Patrick. That's Sophie Green. We've had Emmanuel Xavier on with us today, and you've been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Yay.